You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with the Gun Show. I'm your host, Ken Blanchard, and we're going to talk about Maryland handgun qualification licenses, Rock Island Armory for a hot second, David Cole's post, I Am Innocent, Michael J. Woodland on the Orlando shooting, with the news and details about it, Armed Citizens Report, some thoughts about compassion, watch listening, and flying the flags at half staff so many times this last few years. All this and just some regular conversation between you and me is coming up next. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. Hey, welcome to another show of the Black Man with the Gun. You know, I don't know about you, but this Orlando shooting thing kind of got to me. Made me think about a whole bunch of different things, and I'm... I'm tired of arguing with rockheads. Yeah, I am. I got quite a few emails from people who are just so off. I mean, they're off. I understand that people are hurting, that people are looking for solutions, but it's been a influx of just crazy stuff. Nonsensical, anti-American, unconstitutional rhetoric. Have you heard it? And then at the same time, we are doing some really hardcore gun evangelism, but we're talking to the wrong people in the wrong way, I believe. You don't understand what I'm saying? Well, after John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, I want to just not really give you any answers, but ask a couple of questions and let you think about it. I would love to know what you think Please send me your response to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Okay? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in color. On June 12, 2016, a mass shooting terrorist attack occurred inside Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Resulting in 49 deaths. 53 additional injuries. It was the deadliest mass shooting by a single gunman and the deadliest incident of violence against the LGBT people in U.S. history since the Holocaust. And the deadliest terrorist attack, domestic terrorist, since September 11, 2001. The murderer was identified as 29-year-old Omar Mateen, American born to parents of Afghan background. Witnesses say he was a regular patron of the nightclub, and some say he used gay dating websites in the past. In a 911 call shortly after the attack began, he swore allegiance to the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, also known as ISIL, even though investigators have found no direct links to ISIL. They say it may be inspired. He had a six-hour MCX semi-automatic rifle and a Glock 17 semi-automatic pistol. 
He was a security guard. He lived in Fort Pierce, Florida. It appears he was well organized and well prepared. It was an act of hate. As Mike will tell us later, it was all over the news. All the talking heads were trying to cover it. The flags were flown at half-staff, half-mast. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Everybody has been back on the bandwagon of ban the guns. I didn't say anything related to the incident up until now, publicly. I was grieving. Yeah, I was. Every time this happens, I feel like I lose a part of myself. I am saddened by what happens to our country every time. You have to make a choice. You have to choose against fighting the same argument over and over again. And I've been doing it since 1986. And it's getting worse. Logic and fact mean nothing. People that you think, highly educated people, that you can rationalize with, that you can educate, that you can share the truth with, don't want to hear it. They still blame the mechanical device known as the firearm. They blame the gun. They think it is to be reason for all our ills. And if we could just vanish all the guns in America, then everything would be great. No conversation you can have changes that. You'll hear it in the church. You'll hear it in the synagogue. You'll hear it in the temple. You will hear wherever the talking heads can be found. And they'll even add this new wrinkle about our rights. They don't want to hear about your rights like it's not theirs. They don't want to hear about the Second Amendment again. They don't want to hear about the U.S. Constitution. They will gladly give away the rights that have been fought for, whether they claim them or not, for temporary, feel good, anything. It saddens me, it weakens me, it makes me sick. And I can't fault my friends that write and will be blogging and talking about what we should do. And I, I saw thousands of posts on Facebook. Everybody want to help the LGBTQ community. I'm really digging that compassionate part, that feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. Compassion is a response to the suffering of others that motivates a desire to help. That is cool. It's a good thing. The only problem I have is with some of the responses in the past few days is that it doesn't appear compassionate. You see, I know people that blog and write these articles, at least most of them. Very fine people. They are people you would loan your power tools to, ask to watch your house when you leave, even look after your kids. But in a hurry to get stuff out fast, to show the world how much we know and how opportunistic the anti-rights people are, we look less than compassionate. I care about you. And I want you to know that the very first and the last opportunity you have to present yourself to a hurting person connected to the Orlando hate crime incident 
is to show compassion. Compassion motivates people to go out of their way to help physical, spiritual, emotional hurts and pains of another. The Bible defines the meaning of compassion in several ways. There are like 90 specific references to compassion in the Bible. Most Old Testament verses refer to the Lord's compassion towards his people. And most New Testament versions refer to Jesus' compassion on those in need. We are to, quote, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Proverbs 31, 8 through 9 says we are asked to defend the rights of the poor and the needy. 1 John 3.18 in a New International Version says we do this by taking action instead of just talking about helping others. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. See, I've seen how hurt people act. Hurt people hurt people. And it's easy to get caught up in the rhetoric and defending what you know is true. But are you making a difference, really, or are you just talking? You need to ask yourself that. And are we just talking to the choir? That's why I get so twisted, so angry. Because stupidity should be painful. I remember going to work the next day, and I saw that the flag was flying at half-staff. You know, the flag code says that by order of the president, the flag should be flown at half-staff upon the death of principal figures of the United States government and the government of state, territory, and or possession as a mark of respect for their memory. We don't really do that anymore. President Obama, with his tenure in office marked by terror attacks and mass shootings, has reached a sad but remarkable milestone in his presidency. He has ordered the lowering of the nation's flags to half staff more than any other president in history. In honor of the 49 victims of the Orlando nightclub shooting, we lowered it until sunset last Thursday, meaning the nation will spend most of National Flag Week proclaimed by President Obama in a separate order last Friday with the Stars and Stripes in a mournful pose. Since 2009, did you know that the president has issued 66 proclamations to fly the flag at half-staff. He beat George Bush's 58 and Bill Clinton's 50, although this is according to USA Today's notes. Now, the White House issued a statement saying that the lowering of the flag in order from the president of the United States is a symbolic expression of national mourning, and it certainly is a way symbolically to demonstrate that the country is united in our support for a community that's mourning. That came from White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest. Presidential scholars say President Obama uses such proclamations as a soft power as, quote, comforter-in-chief. Where there's times of polarization, the president seeking a way to unify people, according to a professor in Houston, who tracks this stuff. But to me, it just seems like an overkill. Maybe not overkill. Maybe that's not a good word. Maybe it's just a lack of respect. Might just be my issues. I don't know. Let me know what you think about 
that too. And in an attempt to try to find a reason to point people to what we can do, we got on the terrorism and the watch list and the no-fly list. And my friend Richard Feldman had a nice article about no-fly list. Funny thing is, um, I used to be an analyst that used to add and edit the no-fly list. Yeah, I reviewed it. I kind of checked the data, looked for discrepancies, conducted all kind of stuff to make sure that it was accurate as I could get it. But see, it's all classified. Yeah. There's some glitches in it. But it's not the end all. It's not the thing that's going to fix anything. The right to freely travel on public transportation could be covered under the word liberty in the due process clause. Banning a citizen from flying is restricting their liberty, period. And that is only supposed to happen after due process of law has been followed. So this whole thing about the no-fly list and terrorism and making it for gun control is unconstitutional. The no-fly list and the terrorist watch list turned the legal concept of innocent to proven guilty on its head. The government, without any legal due process whatsoever, puts people on a list merely because it suspects them of wrongdoing or evil intent. And then it's up to us to try to convince the government to remove their names. That's constitutionally upside down. Which is why it's sad that even conservative Republicans refuse to make this case. Blacklisting people from flying is one thing, but blacklisting people from buying a gun is something all new altogether because of the Second Amendment. The courts have declared that individuals have the constitutional right to own and purchase guns. So taking that right away becomes even more problematic, legally speaking. There are several classes of people who are banned from owning or purchasing guns already, but each just has some form of legal process that has to happen before such a ban takes place. Violent felons are restricted from owning guns, but they already are felons. In other words, they were previously convicted of a felony in a court of law. The gun ban is part of their punishment. People with mental problems usually have some sort of competency hearing in court, or at least their lawyers can press for one if they are involuntarily deemed a risk by a doctor. Dangerous threats like stalkers and domestic abusers are dealt with with restraining orders issued by a judge. But no one included on the blacklist has had any of those legal proceedings. The government makes a determination that you are too dangerous to fly and bam, you're on the list. You're not even informed of that decision by the government and you certainly don't have any present evidence for why you should be blacklisted to any judge, much less give you the opportunity to rebuke their evidence. Kind of scary, right? The no-fly list and the terrorist watch list is not a really good solution. Just saying. You might want to think about that when you push it. So where do we go from here? What do we do different in 2016 that we didn't do in 1991, that we don't do in 2007, that we don't do, that we didn't do? 
What do we do differently? How do we stop the arguments? How do we show compassion? How do we be effective and not waste our air? Or is that impossible? I don't have the answers. I'm asking you. Am I making sense? Am I just mumbling? I'd love to hear your comments on it. Hit me back at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. As these details still come out, my friend David offers a few thoughts. The attack occurred in the so-called gun-free zone, number one. Secondly, there is no such thing as a, quote, gun-free zone. Three, the police in Orlando did not act to stop the terrorist for three hours. So basically, you are on your own if this happens on your watch. Number four, if you don't have a concealed carry permit, get one. If you're able to get one, that is. If you live in a city, chances are you won't be able to. If you have a permit and you don't carry, please start carrying every day. And finally, don't go into gun-free zones. Today's terrorist threats are decentralized and diffused. And a centralized, top-down law enforcement effort will never be able to stop these types of attacks. Just can't have a cop present 24-7. Only the decentralized and diffused defense offered by you, the armed citizen, has any chance of success. If you're out there, be vigilant and be armed. David offers prayers, as do I, for our friends and family members in Orlando. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. And I think Michael has something to say, too, about Orlando shooting. You're up next, pal. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another tip segment. I am Michael Woodland of m-wtactical.com, and today we're going to discuss the tragedy in Orlando. First, I would like to take the time to send our condolences from MW Tactical and the Black Man with the Gun podcast to the families who endured the loss of someone from this horrific event that took place this past weekend. I am one who does not watch much TV, but this tragedy is trending and all the news feeds are capitalizing on this matter for all the wrong reasons. When I decided to take a look at the news and see what was taking place, it was sad on so many levels. First and foremost, it was very sad to hear about the number of casualties that have suffered from this horrible night. Hearing the grim details about how a mother was corresponding with a child before dying at the hands of a martyr was truly depressing and sad. On another note of the same topic, the media is now back on an attack of gun rights. It amazes me how people are in society with selecting what to be blind about. For one instance, everyone is romanticizing the fact that the firearm he used. Let's erase the firearm wasn't automatic because it wasn't. But let's look at it clearly and let's do the math. 
So if you do your research, you will notice the shooter did not use an AR-15 as stated by the media. But he did have a six-hour MCX carbine. Now, to put it bluntly, this firearm cannot accept or adapt to any AR-15 furniture or equipment. Now, with that being known, it does not take away from the 53 individuals being injured and the 49 people killed. The nightclub can hold up to 800 people, but there were roughly 600 people reported as being present due to the nightclub about to close for the night. Now, let's assume the shooter was going into this establishment with two magazines for the rifle that holds 30 rounds each and a handgun. And let's assume that he had three magazines that holds 17 rounds each. In total, we are assuming he has at least 111 rounds of ammunition for two weapons. First, let's put to rest that the firearm the shooter used was an assault weapon. The definition of an assault rifle is a rapid fire, magazine fed automatic rifle designed for infantry use. Last I checked, we the people cannot purchase this type of firearm because of the laws that are in place that prevent the companies to produce this type of firearm to the general public. Now, what is in stock in the military is totally different. Either way you look at it, his destruction was deadly, but those in the media who do not know anything about a firearm are talking in a manner that has so many citizens led astray like other matters in the world. So let me ask a question. If there was a law that made purchasing a firearm more strict Will that stop the many acts of the mentally sick individuals in matters like this that took place in Orlando? I will wait for your response because the same message with the war on drugs has not gotten any better since I was a child, but I will wait for your response. This event will go down in history like other acts that were straight evil, whether it comes from abroad or from those with hatred in their hearts from the soil of this country. It's funny how history keeps repeating itself, even though we refuse to teach history as it happened. But instead, it is that what we want to glorify. There is a saying that you must know your past to allow the same mistakes not to take place in the future. If this podcast comes across the ears of those who know nothing about the AR-15 or the M4 rifle, but your view is to make the laws more harsh, let's talk. To even make the deal sweeter, I will teach you about the firearm so you can have a better understanding. And after the training, we can have a discussion about your views and how we can make this constitutional right that we have better for the generations to come. To even put a cherry on top, I will give this class for free to those in the media who are spilling the nonsense they're putting out. I did not know who to talk to, but the first people I want to talk with in the, is the cast of The View, the politicians in California, and anyone in the media who preaches the nonsense they speak on the air. Again, training for me will be free for these people. Call me crazy, but it has to start somewhere. Tune in next week as we tackle another area of marksmanship for another tip segment. Visit us on Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical in the search bar, hit the like button, and let's talk about whatever you desire. If you are in the photos, 
Follow me on Instagram at MJ Woodland, where you can get an up-close and personal involvement of what I'm doing, whether in the military or out shooting somewhere close to you. If you are not internet savvy, we have that covered also. Go to www.m-wtactical.com where you can easily connect with us on any of the previously discussed social platforms while reading about us, looking at pics, viewing future classes, ordering products, or even listening to the current week of the Black Man with a Gun podcast. For the totally old school, just call me, 803-250-1256, and let's discuss whatever is on your mind from shooting classes or just inviting us out to your event. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. Thanks, Michael. This portion of the show has been brought to you by the United States Concealed Carry Association. The USCCA has been providing education, training, and self-defense insurance to responsibly armed Americans since 2003. Join Tim Schmidt and myself here at usconcealedcarry.com. In the news. Armed citizen stories for this week. Police. Decatur woman fatally shot husband inside their home. Decatur, Alabama. Decatur police say a woman fatally shot her estranged husband early Tuesday inside their home. The WBRC-TV reports that police responded to a Stratford Road home 4.31 a.m. and found Vanessa Laffers in the driveway. According to police, Laffers says she shot her estranged husband, 30-year-old Mark Laffers, in self-defense. Officers found Mark Laffers in a bedroom, dead from a single gunshot wound. Police also confirmed three children were inside the home at the time of the shooting. According to divorce documents filed by Vanessa Laffers, her husband has been involved in two standoffs with police. Police and no charges have been filed, and the investigation is ongoing. Officials say that when their investigation is complete, the case will be presented to a Morgan County grand jury. This is from Decatur, Alabama. Denver. Gun sales surge among gays, lesbians after Orlando shooting. Gun sales are surging in the wake of Sunday's deadly mass shooting in Orlando, Florida. The tragedy is generating new debate over gun control reform and the right to bear arms. Gunshots typically see a spike in customers after mass shootings, but this time many are seeing shoppers they've never really seen before. More gays and lesbians. George Horn, the owner of the Gun Room, Denver's oldest firearms dealer, said Tuesday business is booming at his store. For this time of year, I'd say it's three to four times the normal we have. Background checks that once took minutes can now take hours. It's a surge sale. It's a sales surge similar to what happened after Sandy Hook and the Aurora Theater shootings. We're not surprised by it, Horn said. However, what's different this time around is the clientele. Mike Smith, a firearms instructor in Colorado Springs, is one of the many closely tracking the sudden surge in gays and lesbians buying weapons. I think right now, because of what happened, people are looking for answers, he said. You walk into a gun shop and you expect to see people, frankly, who look like me. I think we forget we're a country of all people, not just people who fit the predetermined mold. Pink Pistols is a national gun club for gays and lesbians. It saw its membership soar from about 1,500 members on Saturday to 3,500 on Monday. Dozens of new chapters are springing up, including one Smith is creating in Colorado Springs. 
He says it's something he feels compelled to do, even though he's heterosexual. I look at it as disenfranchised. I look at it as a disenfranchised minority that needs someone who's willing to say, I'm a resource who's here and willing to help, he said. Another chapter also appears to be forming in the Denver area. The pink pistols typically meet on a regular basis at fire ranges to practice shooting. For more information, Smith's Defense Instruction Group and his firearms courses, he can be reached at 719-286-9451. Our next story is from Missouri, and the sheriff temporarily waives CCW fees. Following the Orlando massacre that left 49 dead and 53 wounded, one Missouri sheriff has taken a step to help more. Man, I gotta slow down, I think. Help arm more law-abiding citizens. How about that? By temporarily waiving the fees normally associated with obtaining a permit to carry a concealed weapon. The Bates County Sheriff's Office announced the incentive through its Facebook page Monday after what the department referred to as, quote, continued attacks against Americans on American soil, end quote. Somebody said, I feel that I have a duty to protect the citizens while here in Bates County and allow them to be able to protect themselves and their loved ones while they are away, said Bates County Sheriff Chad Anderson. I will continue to pray for peace for our country and the world, but I will not put blinders on and act like this cannot happen here or to people we know and love. The concealed carry permits offered by the sheriff's office are valid for five years and normally cost 100 bucks. That fee will be waived through the month of June and part of July. Applicants can also take the required training classes through the sheriff's office for free. Classes are limited to 30 people, but if more sign up, they are placed on a waiting list for the next available class. Less than 24 hours after the sheriff's office announced free carry permits, the July 9th class was filled. Those who didn't get into the class were instructed to check back with the department's Facebook page for the announcement of routine or future classes. The offer for a free concealed carry permit is only valid for individuals residing in Bates County, which is located about 60 miles outside of Kansas City, and proof of residence is required. However, a number of out-of-town or out-of-county residents responded to the announcement with hopes that their local sheriff offices would follow suit. And that ends our Armed Citizen Stories for this week. This portion of the show has been sponsored by Dylan Precision. Reloaders, reloading equipment, bullet reloading, and bullet reloaders. Check out DylanPrecision.com. David Cole, writer and contributor for the BlackManWithTheGun.com blog wrote, I am innocent. I am a law-abiding citizen, and I own an AR-15. I am not a murderer, rapist, thief, or drug dealer. I am a military veteran, a former police officer, and a former SWAT officer. I passed several professional firearms training classes and am a certified firearms instructor myself. I passed state and federal background checks for each firearm I purchased. I was investigated again when I applied for and received my concealed carry permit. My state even automatically runs me through an FBI background check every 28 days simply because I have a concealed carry permit. As such, I am background checked a minimum of 12 times per year. I have never had my concealed carry license suspended or revoked. I have never intentionally harmed another peaceable human being 
nor will I. Despite all of this, there are those who would have me turn in my AR-15. They would do this because another person with a heart full of hate used a similar rifle to murder. I have harmed no one, and my rifle has never drawn blood. But they would strip me of my liberty to own that rifle. To deny me the exercise of a civil right for the crimes of another is unjust. The thought of it should be as repulsive as suggesting that we incarcerate all blacks simply because that group commits the most violent crime. It would certainly reduce violent crime, but at the cost of liberty of the innocent. I am innocent. Let me clarify something. If you are as sensitive to racial stuff as I am, let me show you what I found pertaining to what David said. It's true that around 13% of Americans are black, according to the latest estimates from the U.S. Census Bureau and according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Black offenders committed 52% of the homicides recorded in the data between 1980 and 2008. Only 45% of the offenders were white. Homicide is a broader category than, quote, murder. Blacks were disproportionately likely to commit homicide and to be the victims. In 2008, the offended rate for blacks was seven times higher than that for whites, and the victimization rate was six times higher. 93% of black victims were killed by blacks and 84% of white victims were killed by whites. Alternate statistics from the FBI are more up to date, but include many crimes where the killer's race is not recorded. But these numbers tell a similar story. In 2013, the FBI has black criminals carrying out 38% of murders compared to 31.1% for whites. The offender's race was, quote, unknown in 29.1% of the cases. FBI arrest rates are one way into this. If you look at the last three years of data from 2011 to 2013, 38.5% of people arrested for murder, manslaughter, rape, robbery, and aggregate assault were black. You don't have to like it. don't have to agree. Just adding a little caveat extra for my friend and a contributor to this blog. Do I wish these numbers didn't say that? Absolutely. Do I wish that we didn't have to even compare each other? Absolutely. But the poor part, the worst part, the horrible part of this whole conversation, and even that we have to talk about it, is that we aren't willing to have a conversation, a discussion, a dialogue. Not really. But that's a different issue, right? All right, this week I plan to test a rock. It was Rock Island Armory? Yeah, from armscore.com. Check out their Rock Ultra full-size traditional classic 70 series 1911. It fires 9mm rounds. It's a pretty tough-looking 9mm. It's uh, ambidextrous safety, and it has G10 tactical grips. It's... Uh, Pretty macho looking gun, actually. It's all black, has that matte black parkerized finish. Has adjustable rear sights and uh, fiber optics on the front. 
skeletonized hammer and a trigger. And uh, it's about five-inch barrel, I believe. Well, I went down to the gun shop here in Maryland, and I was going to sign the paperwork, you know, all the thousands of things you have to sign and go through your background check and all that, the nicks to pick up the firearm. And the guy asked me, do you have your handgun qualification license? And I said, no. He says, well, you have to get one or you can't pick this up. I said, what? See, the handgun qualification license, unless otherwise exempt as of October 1st, 2013, a Maryland resident must possess a valid HQL before he or she can make a purchase, rent, or receive a handgun. And details on exemptions may be found on the MarylandSP.com, MDSP.Maryland.gov site. Yeah. So you don't need a handgun qualification license to own a gun you already have. But after October 1st, 2013, you need one. Yeah, I know. I failed to get one. You're exempt, though, if you have a license to uh, manufacture firearms, if you're an active law enforcement officer or a person retiring in good standing, active or retired member of the U.S. Armed Forces, a person is purchasing, renting, or receiving an antique, courier, or relic as defined in federal law, or you are a Maryland licensed firearms dealer. But you are required to have one. Just about everybody else. How do you get one? Well, I was told you have to get an electronic fingerprint done, and there's only a few places in the state that allow that. And then once you get one, it's only valid for 72 hours. Then you have to take a training requirement. If you don't have one of six different things to make you exempt, one being if you have a DD-214, you don't have to take the training. But if not, there's a home farm safety class that you're going to probably have to take and learn about state law. It's a four-hour course. It's a special course created in Maryland. Fingerprints, $50. Plus, you must submit $50 for the license. Isn't that something? Just another way to keep people from being able to buy firearms in the state of Maryland. In Illinois, they have the FOID card. I don't know what you have in your state, but this is what we got here now. Jersey has something, too, pretty similar. Probably even harder. But it's about money. Brings me up to a very good point. If you live in the state of Maryland, you need to belong to the Maryland Shout Issue organization. MSI has a lawsuit against the state for the HQL. Why would it do that, other than it just being a pain in the butt? It's a burden for everybody. There are many people who this creates an especially onerous burden. They're looking for somebody to actually stand up and fight this thing to be the name plaintiff for it. See, right now, the HQL law requires a four-hour training session by an instructor. The plaintiff may not have the resources to find, pay for, or get the instructor. 
At least one shot has to be fired with the instructor present. The plaintiff may not have had access to a range like there's none in Baltimore City. The application has to be filed online. You have to use Internet Explorer. Any other browser won't work. The Maryland State Police website is the only place where you can apply. The plaintiff may not have access to a credit card or have Internet access. Fingerprints have to be done in something they call the live scan location. However, Maryland State Police doesn't provide a list of locations. The plaintiff may not have access to a live scan location or be able to locate one. And it's just plain expensive. The additional cost of the handgun, plus the applicant must pay for training, the live scan, and to get this doggone thing. A regular, regular person may not be able to pay for all the extra fees associated with the HQL. With this in mind, if you know anybody who will be a good plaintiff for this, please send an email to info at MarylandShallIssue.org. If you are not in the state of Maryland, if you can feel the pain in which we are having right now, and you would like to contribute and donate to the cause, please consider contributing to the Maryland Shout Issue. You can go to their website and find the links there. Tell them Ken sent you. But in the meantime and in between time, I shall be going to find a live scan fingerprint. I will be doing the thing on the thing to get my application in. I will be doing that all next week. Hopefully I can update you on how far I get by the next podcast. We'll show you'll see how exactly how long it takes. I'll try to document it too and take photos and all that video. So look forward to hearing from me. I will get this doggone pistol. I will be able to test and evaluate it. I will get through this Maryland handgun qualification license process. It's going to cost me at least $100, at least, not including gas and just pain. Pray for a brother. I know you're saying, why don't he move? I'm working on that too. All right, final words as we get ready to head out here for the day. Know that grief is the price we pay for love. Grieving forces us to see who mattered, who never did who won't anymore and who always will. Despite how somber this podcast might be, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I just want to let you know um, I am trying to overcome some stuff. You remember my mom who had a stroke back in uh, April or maybe a little bit before April? She's almost totally recovered now. Good news there. Prayer actually works. So much so that I spent a couple of days last week getting her a new car or a new used car because she wanted to be independent again. How cool is that? The bad part was I was not real patient and I had to check myself. Sometimes we can get in a hurry and forget the important stuff. I'm so glad that you're here with me. Um, you just don't know. I thank you for those who have sent pictures. Your smiling face makes a difference in my place. It does. If you haven't sent me a photo, I would love to have one of you. I have a digital frame that flashes all the folks who have sent pictures so far. 
So then I'm down here in the studio. I'm not actually looking. And just my dog, even though this recorded was recorded live in front of a dog audience under the washer and dryer of the Blanchard house. It'd be nice to have your picture. If you want to send it to me, I'll take a JPEG. Send it to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. If you're into podcasting, I want you to check out there's a podcast movement conference in Chicago the first week of July. Podcast movement. You might want to Google that. Check it out. You might learn some stuff. It's cool. It's in Chicago this year. I am not going. But I wanted to update you and let you know that it did exist. There's quite a few podcast groups around. Also, I want to give you an update on the gun movement. Um, nothing's happened over there other than my main man, Ray Price, still giving me a blog. I'm looking for more writers. I realized that I got overwhelmed by this job that I'm at right now, and those 12 hours are kicking my butt, and I am over oversubscribed. I can't start another thing. And if you hear me say I'm going to do something else, send me an email and say, stop it. I can't help myself. But I need to help myself. I need to focus and get a few things finished before I start something new. Deal? I need a friend to help me with that now. Cool. I want to thank all my patrons for supporting the podcast and the blog. If you're not a patron, you can consider being one for as low as a dollar a month. It automatically donates from whatever account you give it, and it pays for a little stuff here. Thank you so much for those who do. Once a month, I get the, the boost. Something always pops, and it always helps. That's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Black Man with a Gun. And you can check out the video at blackmanwithagun.com. I'm sure you'll find the Patreon link there somewhere. I'll include it here on this podcast too. But I really, 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 really want to know what you think about the flag thing, about all the stupid people, all the anti-rights stuff, all the, well, I had quite a few topics today about this podcast, about the news, about I am innocent quote, about the Maryland handgun qualification license process, about compassion, about watch listing. What are your thoughts on those? Thanks for listening, downloading and supporting this show. You guys make a difference to me. And just in case nobody has told you this today, I love you. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Until next week, when hopefully I have my handgun qualification license, remember this. Often the first one to help you up is the one who knows how it feels to fall down. Shalom, baby. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com.